I'm, I'm in the bulletin to do a call to worship, uh, but uh, there's been a song that's been on my heart um, this week, uh, as Father's Day, it's a prayer um, for fathers and for parents. Um, if, I don't know if many of y'all haven't been around this song, but when I was a teenager, there was a guy that came uh, to church here, um, we saw him off and on, just a good a friend of ours named Blake Lee Smith, um, but now he's the lead singer for this band called Final Favor. Um, you hear him on the radio all the time. Uh, but as he had his first kid, after he had his first kid, he wrote this song. Um, and I'm not going to try to sing it because I heard Blake singing and there's no use to me trying to sing it. So, but I just want to play it. Um, it's a prayer for fathers and parents um, just uh, about raising kids. So, Asha should play it.
Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Great, great. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, you're you're God, you're mighty. Lord, we, we celebrate Father today. Lord, we celebrate you as our Father today, Father. Lord, be with us as we enter this time of worship, Lord. Let us worship you wholeheartedly and let us leave this place to impact your kingdom. Lord, we love you in this year and we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day, fathers. Okay. Um, Wow. Everybody else is like, yeah, happy Father's Day. Wow, look at this one. All right. Anyways, we had a great uh, time of just fellowship and work uh, with with men this morning. We were in the fellowship hall. It was just awesome. As we took time to, remember, uh, to, to honor and appreciate not just uh, biological fathers, but fathers in the spirit, fathers of, of men in this church who, who set a spiritual and biblical example of what it, what it means to be a godly man. And so thank you guys for being a part of that this morning. It was absolutely awesome and great to see. And know that we're very blessed here at Eastside to have men who do lead uh, by example and the way that, that the Bible calls us to do so. Uh, so keep that in mind as we go into this worship this morning. Uh, one other announcement. If your child still owes a balance for camp, please see me immediately following church. We have to handle that today. Um, other than that, I think we're just going to worship that. We're going to worship our God, our Lord. Well, I got prayed a moment ago. Um, it's great to honor our fathers here in the seats with us and here on earth with us. But ultimately, all of our fathers were here because of our Father above. And all of our fathers were able to follow us in any way because our Father was willing to sacrifice his son for us. To come and die for us so that we can have a relationship with him. So let, let's worship that Father today. Stand and worship our good, good Father.
thank you that you are a good, good father, as the song said. And we thank you, we thank you that uh, we are who we are. We can call ourselves uh, sons and daughters of Christ uh, because you love us. Uh, we thank you that we can come together today and worship you. Uh, I thank you for uh, this time also, that this day that we can uh, honor our fathers. Uh, we can honor those father figures uh, in our lives. Uh, and Lord, uh, I know that today is a time of joy and a time of rejoicing for some, but some, uh, it's a time of heartache and a time of some pain. But we thank you that it's the good, good father, uh, that you're God of peace and you're God of comfort. Uh, you're God that those hurts and God that knows those pains and a God that um, lays his hand upon us and, and heals those and comforts those. Um, I pray that today we would have the desire just to be like our Heavenly Father. That we would have a desire to see those around us come to know uh, you as, our, as their personal Lord and Savior. That we would have a desire to share the gospel. That we would rejoice in the power that comes from the gospel. Uh, we just uh, pray now that as we take up our tithes and offerings. That we would, uh, like everything else, hopefully today, would be an act of worship. Uh, to God who is worthy of everything. We pray for Brother Matt as he comes and uh, breaks open your word. Pray that you would just uh, help him to deliver your message, uh, a message that uh, will speak to us, uh, will draw us closer to you, will change us. Uh, you're God who molds and makes us into your image. We pray that that would happen today. Uh, we pray so many times that you won't leave us. Let us leave this. We won't leave this place the same. Uh, that this won't be just something that. We check off our list. We came to church today to see our Father. We came to church with our Father. We came to church because we know we should. But dear Lord, that it would be an opportunity to worship you and through that be changed by you. We love you and we praise your holy name. Amen. As already been said, today is Father's Day. It's amazing how God knows exactly what we need. The song this morning with the men, uh, I want to thank my wife and the ladies in our Sunday class for letting me go and be a part of that because I needed that. Uh, this song talks about why should I feel discouraged? Let not your heart be tender. Or whenever I'm tender, let not your heart be troubled. There's somebody always there for us. You know, we, as a father, as an earthly father, once we have children, we're always trying to watch, watch out for them and to know where they are. And uh, sometimes that's just a little hard. But we have a heavenly father that it's hard to talk about. He watches over every one of us each day, every minute of the day. And the scripture tells us that if five sparrows are sold for a few cents, God does not take his eye off of one of them. So 
today I just want you to be, be reminded that uh, there's somebody always watching his eyes always on you so just pray for you.
First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. My middle brother Art's oldest child is the oldest grandchild. Her name is Krista, and uh, she now has two children of her own. When she was born, as usual, usually it goes. She gets, the oldest grandchild gets the name of grandparents. is how it kind of falls out to them. Not necessarily, but uh, just by circumstances. Well, when Krista came along, uh, my mother, uh, the absolute last thing she wanted to be called was Nanny. Guess what she got called? Nanny. And my dad, being the man he is, he was just like, I don't care. You know, call me granddaddy. That's what y'all called your granddaddy. And so my brother tried to get his daughter to call my dad granddaddy. It came out name name. N-A-N-G, N-A-N-G. Name name. Never heard it before. Bless God, maybe it'll never happen again. But my dad has embraced it because that was his grandbaby that calls him Nanny. And all the rest of them call him Nanny. And here's the interesting point I want to make. I've been very blessed with very godly parents. And I am very thankful for what they've given me. But my friends and especially my kids and my nephews and nieces' friends call him name name That's what they call him. They don't call him Mr. Brady or Mr. Old. They call him name name as a sense of, of respect and just intimacy of him loving on them and them loving on him. My point is today as we look in 1 Timothy, we see a man by the name of Paul who addresses a young man named Timothy as son. The Greek word is technon, which literally means child. And so it doesn't have to be just about male today because he was literally calling Timothy his child. So I want us to think in that, that realm. And how was this possible? As far as history knows, Paul never married, never had a wife, never had children. He was too busy with the law up until he met Jesus. And once he met Jesus, he was too busy with Jesus for anything else. He even says that, doesn't he? But today we look at a verse because as Ryan prayed and as Others have mentioned sometimes these special days, Mother's Days and Father's Days and other days can be very hard, very, very tough emotionally. But I want us to think outside that realm today and realize if we're still on the face of this earth and we're drawing breath, God has a purpose for our life. Paul wrote from prison. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, 
I love this. Not only a child, but a true son, a true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. What a prayer. What a prayer. We have children and we, we hear reports. I, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. I just pray that they'll be helped. <laughs> but may I say, even beyond that, we should be praying for spiritual help. Praying for that spiritual health and vitality. I had the great privilege this week of going to Statesboro and holding little Brooks in my arms. And just like I have with many of your children when they were born, I prayed over Brooks that God's hand would be upon him, that he would grow him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And even now, I want you to pray. He's been fighting some infection this weekend and still in the hospital. I want you to pray over him with me. But I pray God raise him up to be a godly man. It's not too soon for that, is it? Because you'll wake up, ask these older people, you wake up one day and they're 16, they're 24, they're having their own children. Don't wait until there's problems. Pray over them while they're young. Now, Timothy at this point was probably somewhere around 30 or 35, which makes Paul somewhere around 60, 65. Paul had begun to invest in Timothy's life when he was about 15. Through Eunice, and Lois, Timothy's grandmother and mother, Paul led them to the Lord. And their influence and Paul's influence, we know the gospel was preached. And Timothy came to a realization that he was a sinner who needed Jesus Christ as his Savior. And from that point on, Paul began to invest in his life. Timothy didn't walk an aisle one day, sign a car and said, I'm saved. And Paul shake his hand, slapped him on the back, signed his Bible, and sent him out into the world. No, every day, Paul would get on his face before God and pray over this young man. He poured into his life. He didn't check out and say, it's somebody else's job. He said, God, for such a time as this, has placed me in this young man's life. And I may be what you want me to be. First of all, what should we be in these children's lives? What should we do? We've got 30-something students going to camp this summer. Now, for any naysayers, anybody wants to be naked, last year we took seven. I think 30 this year. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Carrie, for your faithfulness. Thank you, small group leaders, for praying. Thank you, church, for supporting that. Lives will be changed. They always are. It's unbelievable. Some of these children do not have godly parents. We heard testimonies this morning of how men in this church have been father figures to some men that have now Raising their own family. First of all, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, you can't be part-time. You've got to be involved. You've got to be involved in 
people's lives. He said right here in verse 1, Paul, and listen to his credentials, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. First of all, you've got to know what God has for your life. You can't be an example of something you don't even understand. You can't tell somebody they need Jesus, but never lead by example to the house of God. You ought to be the first one here and the last one to leave. It's more than stacking chairs when we're about to have a fellowship. It's by teaching the Word of God. It's by leading by getting on your knees and praying so that young people will see you depend on Jesus. Amen? most powerful words I've ever heard come out of my father's mouth was not, son, you need to do this. Son, you need to do that. It was when he bows his head and calls on the name of his heavenly father and asks God to give him direction. And I pray that my kids hear that in my voice. People are looking at you, moms and dads. They're looking at you, men and women. So I don't have any kids. Paul didn't either. But he said, Timothy, you're my child. I am involved in your life, and I'm not going to quit on you. He started pouring into his life at 15. We have all these that stood, that stood right here in all of their regalia. And we come by, we shook their hands, and we gave them gifts, and we sent them off to college. But it don't stop there. How many of you will be willing to write them letters while they're going to college? To give them an encouragement on a day that you have no idea what they may be going through. To do more than just pray over the school, but be involved this year in our local schools. I am convinced that that's one of the reasons we have 30 in our student ministry that are going to camp. Is on that Wednesday before school starts, we went and prayed over all the campuses. We went and prayed over elementary school, middle school, Pinewood, high school. We went out. We put our hands on the buildings. We walked the, uh, the corners of those schools. And we prayed God's will be in them. Church, we must be involved in young people's lives. In other people's lives. If we're going to expect change. You just got to be involved. What is it? What is it that's caused you to check out? You used to teach Sunday school. You used to help the Bible school. You used to. You, listen, don't live a life of used to. Don't get to the end of your life and live with being a regret. Live now for Be involved. Not only was Paul involved in the life of Timothy, he was prayerful. You know, have you ever heard someone say, well, they've got cancer, they've got this, they've got that. Uh, unless something major happens, they're going to get divorced. Well, all we can do is pray. That's just sad. That sounds so dejected and defeated. All we can do is pray. You know what? Why don't we pray now before the problems come? He said in verse 2, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. He prayed for grace 
and for peace. Now you added a special word in this one, we'll get to it in a minute. Mercy that he doesn't add in any others. He just says grace and peace, grace and peace. But here he adds mercy, we'll see it. But first of all, look at that grace and peace. What is he praying over his son in the faith? He's praying for God's eternal blessing. There's some things in this world you can't put a price tag on. Amen? I sat there during Sunday school this morning and I, and I just watched. Just watched to the very end. I watched. I listened. I watched how people responded to praise. And I watched kids look at their dads. And I watched them look around at the other men in the room. These precious lives are watching us. They're watching to see if they know where you sit. Because listen, there's nobody that's more creature of habit than the Baptist. I can scan within about 30 seconds. I can tell who's not here on Sunday. Y'all know I can't because I'll be like, I missed you. Why well, didn't how did you know? Your place. Empty. You know what? Other people notice that too. They notice if you stop coming to Sunday school like you used to. They notice when you don't get on your face and pray. They notice if you're not involved like you once was in men's ministry, women's ministry, student ministry, in the choir. You just decide one day, you know, I'm tired of going to practice. But we preached our kids. You're going to do any better, do you? You work hard. You need to go do your homework. But we won't show up for choir practice. We expect it all to go great. We want the greatest of events. And we want wonderful things, but we don't want to put in the effort. Church, we got to pray. We got to pray and pray that God's eternal blessing would be upon Timothy. Listen, think about what Timothy was going through. What are we facing in the world today as Christians? Now take that and multiply it by hundred. Because Timothy and Paul was living in the day of Nero. If you've done any research of world history, Nero probably hated Christians more than anyone else besides Paul when he was Saul. He hated Christians. He killed them wholesale. He threw them to the lions. He made a sport out of them. And as I've mentioned to you before, he lit the road at night. They were human lanterns that he would prop up sticking a post up under the ribcage alive and propping them up down the Roman road, setting them ablaze so that they could, he could go out for a chariot ride at night. Nero hated Christians. So when you face what we're facing today in this world, it's nothing new. Paul prayed God's protection over them. When our, our young people go out and face this world, the music and the methods and the message the world is preaching at them. Pray God's eternal blessings and protection over them. Y'all believe God's still God? Amen. Is He lost any, any shine? I mean, isn't He just the same God of David? Now, just I'm, honestly, now tell me, isn't he the same God of Elijah? Didn't didn't Elijah pray and didn't uh, didn't fire come down from heaven? 
Pretty sure that happened. What about this thing's all jacked up? What about uh, Noah? Didn't Noah pray? I mean, one time Elijah prayed and it rained. One time Noah, uh, Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. What kind of prayer life you got? Are you just, your, the extent of your prayer is that you forgot to get gas, you're just praying you're waiting for the gas station. <laughs> you're just praying that the next cast or the next shot will be the biggest bug and the biggest bash you've ever called or shot. I've prayed all them prayers, all for of me. I know. Sometimes I'll be sitting there praying and I'm like, it's the dumbest thing. But it gets me praying and then I start taking things a little more serious. And then I start thinking about people who's facing issues in their life and stuff that have eternal matters. Paul was praying over Timothy's life for eternal matters. But here's that wonderful, beautiful word that he adds. He said, grace and mercy. Mercy is temporal mercies. Temporal mercies. He was prayerful that God would give Timothy temporal mercies of protection over Nero and his armies and his government. That he would give him temporal mercies because we'll see later on that there were people not just outside the church, but inside the church. Church bullies who were beating up on people if they could. He prayed his protection over them. I honestly believe there's not a Sunday goes by that my mother doesn't pray for her three preacher boys. But I also believe that there's not a Sunday goes by that her three preacher boys are preaching because her husband's mother, my grandmother, prayed that God would call one of her grandboys into the ministry. And I know the whole deal about God's got a plan. And I believe that. But I believe my grandmother's prayer matched up with God's will. Because when my grandfather couldn't preach anymore through strokes and other things, she got on her face. She said, oh God, I've got six grandsons. I pray you call one of them. Listen, my grandmother didn't know how powerful her prayer life. She got 50%. Three out of six. Church, we need to be prayerful over these Young people, don't wait until there's a wreck. Don't wait until there's a problem. Don't wait until you hear somebody got locked up and then try to spread it like wildfire. Get on our face before God and pray, God, protect them, grow them, lead them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Amen. We think it's cool to teach them a dirty joke or how to do something real manly. I'm going to tell you something. Little ears are hearing the filthy language that comes out of your mouth. But you've justified, rationalized. That's just what real men do. I'm going to tell you something. Dumb men. Men who can't use anything bigger than four-letter words are the men who utter filth rather than saying things that build up and be encouraging. I don't believe Timothy ever heard Paul run the church down. I believe he saw him call out those who were hypocritical, those who were wolves in sheep's clothing, but I don't believe he ever heard Paul sit around and whine and complain or wait on somebody else to do what God had called him to do. Church, we need to be prayerful. These young people need to hear. I want to tell you something. 
There is nothing that energizes me more than to hear somebody pray for me. Blesses my heart. Listen, man, those guys that stood up and may have mentioned you by name, encouraged you, didn't that do something for you? I mean, I saw a bunch of men hugging and crying. I made it look like an episode of Oprah or something there this morning. <laughs> All except for that part, it was wonderful. Man, to see men let their guard down and love on each other and to tell you mean something in my life. You have done things. You have been an example. And I've been, did you not get that older men? They've been watching. They've been watching. They've seen what you've done. You set the example. What are we going to do? Young men who gave the testimony, guess what? The young people are watching you. Last year we had a had a little end of summer bash at the house. We took our new beginning Sunday school class and the student ministry. We put them together. Some people say that's crazy. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things we ever done. We played this one game called elbow tag. It's fun. It's fun. But I heard you say, you know what? I thought he was just, you know, this way or that way, and they were, and she was. But I had to stand there and hold elbows with him for a while. I realized, ain't that scary? <laughs> you remember when 40 years old seemed like that they were so old, they're about to die? <laughs> I do. I remember as a high schooler, you know, ninth grader thinking, good grief, and 12th graders are so old. And then getting about 16, 17, thinking 40. I remember when mom was talking about her 25th class reunion. Oh, gosh, my mom is so old. I've been out 34 years. I am old. I look good, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to match his shirt. Now, I got a guy that, I mean, I'm not good with y'all. Listen, we ought to have fun. I think Paul and Tiffany, it's not in my notes, but right here, with Mike Taylor sitting on the front, we ought to have fun. Mike has fun. Why can't we have fun? Is G, look, do we not have eternal life? Is this all there is? Or do we have eternity and all the joys of heaven? Then we ought to smile. We ought to be able to laugh. Tell clean Joe. Enjoy great music. Have good food. Love one another. Listen, church, we are dead, dying, and useless if we're not enjoying the abundant life that is Christ. And if we don't put that before God, then I think God has fun with us. Enjoying those things. Listen, we need to be involved. We need to be prayerful. But listen to me. We need to be real. I'm not talking about Sunday Christianity, Monday hell. I'm not talking about Wednesday night prayer meeting, Christian, and Saturday night party. I'm talking about Sunday through Saturday, 24-7, seven days a week. Even 366 days during the week here. We need to be real. He said in verse 3, I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain, stay in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. 
nor give heed to fables and endless geologies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Church, stop dabbling in this and that. that, that. Just be a real Christian. Be real. Let the world see you're real. You're, you don't have to be this way with this crowd, this way. Remember, Peter tried that one time. Y'all remember that? Peter tried to act one way around the Jews. He tried to act one way around the Gentile. Paul said, hey, Peter. Dude, you can't do that. Now, you're going to have to be consistent. Because when you're over here acting one way, they're seeing you. And then when you change, they're seeing you. And both of them see that you're not real. Be real. People know you're a member of Eastside Baptist Church. And so when you think that, well, they do it, so they're not going to say anything. Well, they're lost. They don't know any better. But they see when your vehicle does not leave your driveway on Sunday. They see what you're doing when you think nobody else cares and nobody else matters. In that restaurant, or at the ball game, at the concert, in the privacy of your home. I'm telling you, be real. Be real. Don't, don't, don't live a fake Christian life. Man, it's just it's so much easier because you know what? If you live truth, then you don't have to make about looking a certain way at a certain time. You can just be yourself all the time and not have to worry about faking anything. Just be real. The greatest freedom in this world is to get up, get up every day and live your life the way that Christ has called you without feeling like you've got to be a certain thing around a certain people. Amen? There's nothing worse than walking on that Man, just be who God called you to be. Did you hear this morning, men, that some said, this man did this, this man did that, but they were all praises for how they lived before the Lord. Men who walked from different paths of life, men who have been to college, men who had Men who work with their hands. Men who work in an office. Men who live by example in different ways but exactly the same in the fact they're just real. They're real in Christ. Don't, don't, don't wash out with other things. Men, we got a good lesson in this this morning. Sometimes we buy into this tough stuff in this world. Something we need to realize we need to be loving. We need to be loved. Sometimes you just need to put your arm around somebody. Just give them a bear hug and tell them, hey, hey, dude, I love you. I love you. Give them a good handshake, look at them and say, hey, hey, brother, I love you. I appreciate you. He said in verse 5, now the purpose of this commandment, the purpose of this is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. I got news for you. Listen to me. You cannot, you cannot walk out there and we talk about before being real. Well, being loving is built on being real. You can't reach out and take somebody by the hand and look at me nice. Can't do it. I do it. You can't do it. As a believer in Christ, you can't do it. 
Man, when you reach out, you put your arm around somebody and say, I love you. You got to mean it, don't you? You got to mean it. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'm going to reserve that for just a certain few. But I can't put my arm around these men and say, I love you. I appreciate you. We need to be loved. And it turned out all kinds of walls. Because sometimes we feel like, oh, I got my feelings hurt. They didn't do this. They didn't. just walk up. If God leads you. God says, tell them you loved it. I had to make myself. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a lifelong lesson because I grew up in that generation. My granddaddy didn't tell me he loved me until he had had a stroke and was in the nursing home. He lived it now. He lived it. But that was just the jury. You didn't tell. That was, you just, y'all know what I'm talking about. You just didn't do that. And so my daddy was raised like that. My daddy didn't really start telling me he loved me until he had quadruple bypass. They come out. The greatest advice a doctor has ever given me was psychological advice from a car, an open heart surgeon. He walks out and he says, your dad's doing good, got to serving good, it's going to be a long process, but I want you to know the dad you sent into that surgical room will probably not be the same dad, at least for a while, that went in there. And the reason I'm telling you this, he said they'll have mood swings. And, and this is one thing, he said, he may have never cried in his life, but when he gets out, he'll boo-hoo like a little girl. <laughs> not my dad. He was right. And it, it almost overwhelmed me, except for the fact that I heard the words of Dr. Levy that God directed this Jewish doctor to tell this old boy, hey, be ready. I saw my daddy's letter and squall. I'm like, dude, man, suck it up. Because that's what daddy told me. You know what? My name started, and it's still so awkward. It's still so awkward sometimes. And you know what? I think it's gotten easier for him than it does for me. But I have made myself tell my dad I love him. And when my kids were born, I said, I'm not going to follow in that same time. I'm going to tell them I love them. Go to tell them I love them. Whether they like it or not, I live to embarrass them. I live for it. Jerry Reed, you with me? I'm with you, brother. I have I love, look, I go around, come to first base during the game, and after the half inning, it's my time to go back. I dance all the way over there, just so my kids say, oh, God. That's not my dad. I don't know who that is. I'll turn around and wave at my daddy. <laughs> look, y'all have fun now. Love. Just love. Man, be, be loving. Be loving. He said, some have, some have strayed. They, they turned aside to idle talk. Love is not the same for them anymore. Desiring to be teachers of the law. Understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. The pastor or whatever he thinks he is in Sacramento that wants to tell me the voice of God about the killings in Orlando. Look, homosexuality is wrong. I don't have a problem in that. But God He rejoices in life. He didn't send Jesus to come to this world to kill and to steal and to destroy. He came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And those are 49 precious lives. Count 
with the one who did it that could have received Jesus Christ to save it's too late God does not rejoice in that don't be bought into legalism it says Jesus didn't die for all I'm going to tell you something Jesus is too big too good, too great, too loving to die for a select little few Church, we've got to realize Jesus loves. He is a good, good father, isn't he? Because of that, I am who I am because he loves me. Because he loves me, because he loves you. Look, be a teacher. He said, but we know in verse 8 that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners and the unholy and profane murders, fathers and father of uh, murders and mothers, manslayers, fornicators, sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. We need to keep, teach, still teach kids, truth is truth, no matter what the world tells you. We don't compromise truth. God loves, but He hates sin. That's what Paul just told Timothy, right? Timothy loves people, hates sin. The law is good if we follow it. But the law reveals that which is bad. You remember that point where you realized you needed to save your wife? What was the what, what was the linchpin really? I mean, you you understood there was a Jesus, you believed in Jesus, you believed that he died on the cross. But when you came to that realization that you were a sinner, that you had broken the law, and in breaking one law you had broken them all, and the only hope for you was the blood of Jesus Christ, that's when you cried out for the Savior, right? We need to understand, young people, old people, all people, need us to be a teacher. To teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be thankful. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. The world needs to see we're thankful. If Christians are whining, complaining, church ain't good enough. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't like that building. I don't like that kind of music. Preacher's too long. Preacher's too loud. Sunday school we shouldn't have. Starts too early. Why do we got to go on Wednesday night? I don't need this. Why do we do that? Shouldn't need it, church. I've heard them all. I've heard them all. Now tell me one reason why a lost person would want to come to a church that talks like that. Church, we ought to be thankful. Amen. Can I tell you this morning? This is not in my sermon, but it is in my life. And I'm not blowing smoke. Listen to me. I am thankful for Eastside Baptist Church. Amen. You're my family. You've treated me like family, not a higher being. I've been treated like a hired hand before. 
We've not all got it all on the channel. We've been forgiven. We've been loved. We've been thankful. Church, I'm thankful for you. Thanks for every single one of you. Running sound and lights and cleaning up and locking up to keeping giving records in order to organizing BBS. Do you realize that, I mean, look, it may not be Congressional Medal of Honor, but whatever that honor, whatever that medal is right up underneath that, that's what Michelle needs for organizing because Bible school is hurting cats. That's what you're doing. I mean, you're taking 37 cats and trying to line them up and drive them, you know, in a straight line. And trying to get a bunch of Baptists to volunteer to do something, well, that's just nailing jail going to the wall. You ever try to do that? Take your big old bowl of jello and try to nail it to the wall. That's what trying to get Baptists to volunteer. Ahead of time, so we'll know how to play. But I sure am thankful. Amen. For each one who does that stuff. This morning, I didn't have to do anything. He said, I just want you to pray. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to go get donuts. I know pastors who, if they have a men's breakfast, they have to go buy the stuff and they have to open the church. And they have to, they're dedicated. They want the best. That's right. But you know what? I thank God I don't have to do that. I don't have to go get corn dogs for the east on Wednesday night. Don't you ever stop me. <laughs> I don't have to organize food for a family who's lost a loved one. I do all that stuff. Amen. Church, I'm thankful. Thankful for Godly kids. Thankful for Godly life. Do they do it all right? No, they don't do it all right. But I sure am proud of what they do. I'm proud of God with dignity to get on their face and pray for their pastor. I thank you for some of the most precious senior adults I've ever met in my entire life. They'll hug me in the restaurant when they see me. They don't point to me. That's my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> he don't come see me enough. They're thankful I don't. <laughs> Look, I'm thankful. I could go on all the Be transparent. He said, although, as thankful I am for what God has called, called me into, he said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Now, I want you to listen real quick. I'm going to move on. Be transparent. Let the world see that you're not perfect. Let them, let your children see that you're not perfect. There's got to be a balance in that. Don't give Satan more credit than you give God. Don't spend 30 minutes bragging on all the worldly stuff you did and two minutes how Jesus changed you. I've read some guidepost articles like that. I'm like, David, man, is this like a satanic Bible or is this about promoting Jesus? Because it don't sound like it's about Jesus. 
there's some things in my life that I've had to share with my kids that I'm not proud of. But I try to move along and point into Jesus as quick as I possibly can. I don't always do the best job. Please don't say it like I've got it all figured out. Oh, dear Lord, no. I don't. Church, be transparent. Let us see the cheeks in your life. Let us uh, listen. God, David, man, that's courageous to stand and weep. But he rejoiced. You see that, John? Man, that's. Young men said, hey, you know what? It's all right to, to weep and joy. It's all right. That doesn't mean that they're going to take your man card from you. You still need to kill something every once in a while and clean it. If you go vegan, we are going to take it. Listen to me. Be transparent. That's your garden. With Be honest. Be honest. Kids ask you a question, give an honest answer. People ask you, the hope that's within you, don't come up with some crazy mumbo jumbo because you're afraid of telling them you don't know. I get asked questions on Wednesday night. Sometimes I say, I, I'm not going to give you an answer because I, I don't fully know. But I will go and try to bring you an answer. Do I not do that? Wednesday night crowd? Because I don't know it all. And, and honestly, sometimes my answer is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong in God. There's some things I just don't know. I just don't. And I'm not going to know. He said in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Be honest with the world. Don't try to make yourself better than what you are. Show the world you are a sinner saved by grace. Now teach them you're a saint of God now. But it's not because of anything. You know what? Baptist preach, we don't believe in salvation by works, but we sure do live our lives like we're preaching it. If you'll just look like us, sound like us, go with us, sing like us, do like us, then you'll be alright to know, my friends. The only way people's going to be right is for us to be honest and tell them the only hope for them is Jesus. Amen. Be an example. Paul was an example of Timothy. Everything he wrote, he's always mentioned to Timothy. Timothy, Timothy. Timothy, listen. Timothy, see the potholes I've stepped in. Timothy, avoid the problems that I've had to face. Be an example to those children around you. He said, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honored, and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what he was saying? He said, it's only by the grace of God in your life. I love to hear people's testimony. I love to hear how God saved. Church, the world needs to hear from us 
We weren't born Christians. We were not born deacons and pastors. We need to be an example before the world that at one time we were lost and separated from God. I have no doubt in my mind that there were hundreds if not thousands that said, if God can save Saul, He can save me. If you'll be honest and show people in your lives what God brought you out of and what He's bringing you to, there'll be people that look at your life and say, God can save that, God can save me. That's the truth. We all have our background, don't we? And I'll be honest with you, I'd like to forget most of it. But God wants me to be reminded of it sometimes. Not that He holds me accountable, it's under the blood, but He wants me to tell the world what that blood did. Be an encouragement. Man, I probably missed some names this morning. Everybody that runs encouragement to me this morning. Encouragement. I've had guys come on dark days and just sit on my front porch drink water. Encourage me. I've had them call and say, come out here, let's just ride around. Encourage me. I've had them drive through the woods. Skinny pants and a bucket of eggs to encourage me. Figure out who that is. Because they're living. Come on, find the grass pit. Y'all pack the pantry. When we moved here, I knew that we'd come to the right place. Especially after we ate that soup for a week. When you need something for a week and not get tired of it, it's pretty good. Just encouraging words I found. You come into my office and they're stuck on my wall. They're in my desk. They're in my Bible. They're on my bookshelf. Where people come into my office. That's okay, too. I said that at night. And just wrote a little note. Stuck it on my door, stuck it on my desk. It just passed by, I want you to know that me and my friend are Thank you. What have you done for somebody like that? Like be encouraging. Timothy, knowing he's getting this letter from a guy sitting in prison that don't deserve it, it's reminding him that there was a Jesus who didn't deserve death. It'll be an encouragement. Look, be a leader. I'm about to pray. Listen. It's going to be short. I got I got got talked to this week about my closing's being too long. So I'm going to be real short there. And uh, so uh, in verse 18, he said, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage good warfare. We need to encourage people to fight a good fight. Fight the good fight. Daddies, look at me. The world wants your marriage. Fight the good fight. They want your children. Sometimes your children will seem like your enemy because the world will try to take a fight the good fight. If you need somebody to pray with you, call me. Because sometimes I'm fighting that fight too and I need somebody to pray with me. Call one of these older men. Why not point you? Good idea. I mean, <laughs> you're old, 
<laughs> Call one of these men. Say, look, will you pray with me? I can promise you anything. None of those will be in that room until you know. They'll pray with you. They'll pray with you. And there's nothing like somebody calling out encouraging words before only God said you can pray. Pray with one another. Be an encouragement. Be a leader. He said in verse 19 and 20, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, who suffered shipwreck, of whom were Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered for Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Look, we need to be a leader by warning young people of danger. If you keep going on that path, you will have a record. Then it comes in my office pretty frequently to pray for a situation I've had this week. Can't tell you about it. There's a young person that's really jacked up their lives. Pray for them. Young people, there's a lot of problems in your life you will avoid if you listen to one of these old people that you think don't know anything. Because they don't been there. They know a whole lot more than you think. Fight a good fight. Stand, I know it's hard when you when it seems like everybody around you rejects you and don't want to be your friend. Look, they weren't going to be your friend to start with. Look around. Literally, look around. These are your friends. And if you got all the friend, don't you leave here today until you get it right. It'll be the greatest encouragement you get today. Encourage one another. Be a leader by warning of danger. And then to fight a good fight. We're not on the love. We're on the battleship. Here's the deal. When they surprised the U.S. Navy on December 7th, 1941, y'all didn't think I'd get to a sermon without some kind of warning. <laughs> the Japanese surprised through the providence of God, the ones they were looking for were not there. The carriers. Some to Arizona, flipped over to Oklahoma, many others were dead. I sat with Charles Hearns past week. Just talked with him. He served on the Arkansas. So where were you at? He said, well, I didn't really go until after. I didn't even get over there yet. Until 46. And he was on one of those battleships, just like those that were sunk. If you've been to Mobile, you've seen the Alabama. Here's the deal. Those carriers were not there. And in August of 1945, on the deck of one they didn't sink because those carriers were not there. The deck of the USS Missouri Japanese surrendered. The war was over. Well it looked like a complete victory when they looked at the demo and Yamamoto said, Dear sir, you have achieved a great and mighty victory over our foe today. Yamamoto replied, I'm afraid all we have done is waking a sleeping giant. 
at the Battle of Midway in Guadalcanal, Sopanatini, and Iwo Jima, and Okinawa, and in the areas of Tokyo, Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, they found out. In church, there's days where we look defeated. God gave us victory. There's days where it looks like the church is beaten. There's days where it looks like there is no hope. I've got news for you. Though Satan may have surprised us sitting in harbor, we have not utterly been cast down, Paul said. Amen. For what can separate us from the love of God in all short of it? Nothing. So what do we do? We need to be a multiplier. And in so, God will bless us. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for this reason have I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son or child in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. One day these men we bragged about will be gone. Don't wait till then and say, oh man, I've got to step up. Look, be a multiplier. As we teach, you teach. As the older men teaches the younger men, younger men go teach your friends. Be a godly husband. Choose a godly spouse. Raise your children the way you have been treated. Or the way you should have been. And the way that you've seen these men treat you. Timothy just simply did what Paul taught him to do. Finally, in closing, be faithful. always chokes me up a little bit to read the last chapter of 2 Because the greatest evangelist the greatest show of grace we have known on the face of this earth was about to lay his life down for the cause of Christ. Paul wrote his epitaph. He wrote his last will and testament Chapter 4, Timothy. 2 Timothy, he said, My old son, my boy, listen to me. I've given you everything I give you. I can't say anymore. But the time's coming. He said, I follow good advice. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You want to leave a legacy? Time comes. May the world be able to say he was encouraging, he was faithful, he was loving, he was kind, he was encouraging, he was teaching, he was a he was a mentor, he was a multiplier. He, she was faithful. Though Paul had none of his no children of his own, he raised plenty, didn't he? May we be found faithful as they come to the instruments this morning as a prayer of dedication. Maybe parents, grandparents, I don't know. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ today. You, you can't be an example because you've never met Him. You know all about Him. You, I mean, you know about Jesus. You've read the Bible. You've heard and sung songs, but you've never talked to Him personally and said, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And I need you to forgive me. You need to come to me. You need to pray that God 
would revitalize your witness, that you would get back in that path. That's what's so great about grace. You may have been headed toward the shore and headed toward a shipwreck, but God can direct you back out to clear, still waters. Whatever God wants from you, why not come to that stand?
travel and go see your family. If you don't have anywhere to go or anything to do, tell somebody this morning, regardless. Tell somebody you appreciate them. Tell them you love them. Appreciate what they do. Just be an encouragement. Thankfulness and love this morning before this meeting. Don't forget, youth, make sure you got everything in before you leave today. Uh, don't forget the announcements for the Anything else before this meeting?